Hi, so I guess this is a podcast. Well, whatever it is. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, what we're doing this on is our group, which is Fix Our Education, or FOE, because we think that the United States education system has a fundamental flaw in it. Well, more than one. But definitely get into more than that one. Later. Yeah, definitely <laughs> more than one. All right. So, just to start out, a mission, our mission statement is to promote change in the syllabus through social media influence and distribution of better information, which is kind of what we're going to do with this, is to kind of get the information out there. So, our first topic is the history of the United States education system. So, if we come over here, which you can't see this, so why am I talking like you can? It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah. So the f- so our teaching system now can kind of be credited to a man named Horace Mann, who was the uh he was Secretary of Education for Massachusetts starting in 1837, and his kind of vision for a modern quote education system was to have a professional batch of teachers that taught a standardized curriculum to the student, so it'd be easily repeatable, and it'd also be easily changeable, because everybody was teaching the same thing. And this kind of devolved into what we have now. Yes. Yes, it was a pretty good idea in in just theorizing it. Like, it was, it was yeah. a good idea. But uh, it slowly started to fail. Yeah, it, it got worse over time, didn't it? <laughs> Mostly because... Uh, the way that the system is based is that everybody is on the same level, but if people don't try, it brings the entire level down, so the people that were at the top end now aren't getting enough instruction time, which is what we see now. Yeah, averages yeah. are really not the best thing. It really... Yeah. Because if, if there's, like, a few batch of people that are doing really well, and, like, the rest of them are not doing well, the people that are doing really well are not capable of you know, doing better because they're slowed down by the syllabus. Or they're too busy waiting for other people to catch up. Yeah. Imagine doing a race with your foot tied to the slowest runner on your team. That's yeah. kind of what it's like. Yeah. So, Alan tied to Victor. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> uh... So I'm just looking at um, test percentile stuff because I was interested in it. And it says that uh, percentile ranks are often expressed as a number between 1 and 99, 99 being the best, 1 being the worst, with 50 being the average. So if a student start, so it's basically if there are 100 students, what number you get is how many people you're above. So if you take a test and you get in. So it's, if it's the, like a class of 100 people, right? Yeah. So say you get like. Mm-hmm your test score, and it says you're in the 65th percentile. That means if yeah. you took a test against 100 other people, on average, you'd score 65th. Huh. Yeah. Wouldn't it be the opposite? That's pretty cool. You'd score, well, like, 35th? Yeah, you'd score, like, 33rd, but you'd you're 67 out of 100. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, like, reverse. So if you if you get first percent percentile, then it's you got beat by literally everyone else. Yes. The first percentile is the worst, and the 99th percentile is the highest. But this is saying that the 90th, everybody above the 90th percentile 
makes up like maybe ten yeah. percent, which makes That's, sense. Mm -hmm. yeah, but everybody sense. else is below the seventieth percentile, so there's a big gap there. It's yeah. either the ninetieth percentile or like the seventieth percentile. So that big gap between them has kind of shifted everything further down. It gets created yeah. from what? Like what? So what it's created from. Uh, the people in the lower percentages, like the 20th and 30th percentile, slowing down the rest of the curriculum because of what it's based on, because of how the curriculum's created. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, I can see that. Because in theory, everybody's on this on a level playing field because they're getting the same education, but that's not the case. It's good in theory because it works with numbers, but in real life it doesn't quite play out that way. Yeah, because some people are, yeah. are better learners than others. Some people are better learners than others. Some people pay better attention than others. Some people There's like a whole to bunch of different factors. Some people like to be more hands-on than others. Some people like to have like actual instructions in front of them. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Some of them like pictures. Others of them like like verbal talking. I can say I am not Different forms of learning are better. Yeah. Because I have tried that, and I am not very good at hands-on stuff. So I am definitely not a hands-on learner. Yeah, and I then can, like me, I'm, I'm more of an instruction. I can learn from just reading what I need to do. Yeah. And I have to me. actually see it and like try it once and then I can learn it. What about you, Gideon? Uh, I think I'm kind of across. I like learning by actually doing stuff, but it's helpful to have like some sort of notes there. So if you give me instructions and then just say go do it, I'll be fine. Yeah, that's kind of what I like. Yeah. Like not too far on either side of it. Yeah. So if I did that, I would I would do pretty good for like the first amount, and then after that, I just get lost. Right. I might need like you know, guidance, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. You, like my like. When, when did you say that the syllabus was created or the education system? Uh. So Horace Mann was implemented into. What became the Secretary of Education in 1837. His plan was kind of implemented mid-1840s, probably. We don't have exact data on it. So, but, you're saying that we've had the same education system for, like, almost 2,000 years? You mean 200? 200, sorry. <laughs> I can't count. Oh you're soul. okay. But yeah, almost 200 years we've had the same system that is outdated and doesn't really work. But this is why we've created alternative forms of schooling, which segues perfectly into our next topic. Right. So there's tons of different kinds, but we're going to focus on, what, two or three of them? Yeah, there's that's weird. The, the first one, homeschooling. There's unschooling. And there's uh, self-directed learning, which is just, uh, what, what are they called again? Sudbury schools? Sudbury schools is one form of self-directed learning. Yes. So unschooling and Sudbury schools are both the same thing, right? Uh, not the same thing. Kind of. They have the same so, bases. Yeah, they have the same basic principles, except usually unschooling is done at home, and a Sudbury school is at a in separate the, institution. Yeah, in this usually comes down to like uh, state requirements and uh country requirements so like in some parts of england it's fine to just have your kids at home because there aren't any requirements for how many education hours they need yeah. but in the u.s states typically have our requirements 
Yeah, so like, you have uh, to have them in a building. In the U.S., yeah. they need they need to pass elementary school, don't they? Uh, it is required to pass elementary school with a certain amount of hours, and I don't know how many those are, but uh. So, um, right. So, uh, in Article twenty twenty six, right, it says everyone has the right to education. Education shall be free, at least in the elementary and fundamental stages. Elementary education shall be compulsory. Technical and professional education shall be made generally available. And higher education shall be equally accessible to all on the basis of merit. Uh, that's the whole thing. And then in the third part of it, it says parents have a prior right to choose the kind of education that shall be given to their children. Which means nice. they can legally choose to do something else than uh, institutional school, right? Uh. Yeah. Yeah, which is the other types of schooling, like homeschooling and unschooling, which I yeah. just looking up the instructional hours and uh, grades one through eight, uh, the districts must provide a thousand instructional hours. This is just for Washington oh, and for, for uh, or in general, just all of them. Yeah, that's annual, 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 a thousand instruction hours to students, grades one through eight and 1080 to students uh, nine through twelve, they they differ slightly, and like by slightly, I mean like a teensy tiny bit, like maybe two or three hours. But usually, they can use a district-wide average uh, to reach about uh, one thousand thirty hours, which is kind of their benchmark. If they're a little bit below, they're a little bit above that. They're completely fine. Yep. Yeah. All right. Uh, do we go on the next topic or? Ah, uh, let's. Well, there's still a whole bunch of stuff more on homeschooling. So, growth yeah. of homeschooling in the United States. Let's just look at this graph. Mm -hmm. All the way back in 1970, around 1973 is where the mark is plotted on this graph. Uh. Yeah. There were 13,000 homes that were home educated. I'm looking at the uh first graph on the. Link right, okay. the first link. Yeah, yeah. The first. So that's gone up basically exponentially. Right. So only thirteen thousand in seventy three. Yeah. That's not a lot. That is not a lot compared to population sizes. That's not a lot. It does seem to, to have gone a lot more though. Yeah. It's kind of gone up. I don't. I don't know that if this is true, but what I'm thinking is that uh, homeschooling rates have gone up because one, parents are like more scared of the outside world, and yeah. two, it's become more easily accessible to do it because of the internet. Yeah, yeah. and technology has definitely grown to help parents like Growing, access yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Where so they, they don't have to do it on their own; they can easy to access stuff, stuff to nowadays. Yeah, it's way easier to access like more articles and stuff like that than it was probably like in five years ago. Just in the year two thousand, yeah, yeah, five years ago. Well, on the graph, it's on two thousand from two thousand twenty to two thousand twenty one, we had two thousand six hundred fifty thousand. Well, that'd be two point six million households doubled. in the U.S. that were home educated, and now it's almost doubled that, which. Yeah. 
mostly because of the COVID pandemic. Because a whole bunch of people yeah. were just like, yeah, I don't want them in the school system because they're not learning anything. Let's go homeschool. Yeah, actually, during this school yeah, year, I think right. this is the, the least I've learned in a while. Because with all the, you know, technology... Six feet, calls, don't touch. Uh, that we had to do. I missed a lot of them, actually. I yeah. forgot about them. There's also a lot of online students that, like, were having trouble learning. Well, the first half of our school year was kind of like a lot of the hands karate chopped in half, yeah. and then the second mm -hmm. half was like just trying to get back to normal. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. like it was uh, less teaching, more trying to get back to how it was. Yeah. The thing about this year is that uh, there's a lot of hands-on people that really like got messed up by it. Huh. Yeah, like I got messed up really bad by it. It got me by surprise. I did okay during that that time. I didn't. I did not do good. Surprisingly, yeah. I had better grades in uh, completely online school than I did in back-in-person school, right. which is probably because I wasn't doing extracurricular stuff and hanging and, out with people. Yeah, you had less distractions, I guess. I could Because I could just sit down and work on stuff. Yeah, for me, I had a lot of distractions. Like, during class, sometimes I would just be on my phone. Admittedly, yes. I would just do other stuff while in class. Well, it makes sense because they didn't give us a lot to do. They were kind of just like... Sit down, stare at the camera, and if you do anything else, we'll call on you. Because yeah. ap apparently that's why. Yeah. Which is kind of weird, but... Yeah. What um, the heck? We get... During, during that time, I learned nothing. Literally almost nothing. Because I would just be on my phone, and then I'd do the homework on my own. We got very little hey. homework, actually. Take a look at this. Most of the things I did were from were from science class because that's you just got to do labs. Yeah. One nationwide study shows that forty one percent of homeschool students are black, Asian, or Hispanic, or others. Non white and US in twenty nineteen. That's insane. Forty one percent of homeschool students. How? Like in my mind, almost 50% are non-white people, which yeah. I guess kind of makes sense because, like, mm -hmm. a little bit of, like, racial intolerance in the United States school system is kind of bound to be there. Not that it's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. But f almost 50%. That's a lot. That is a lot of people. That is way... That is a lot. So, what it's telling us is that some people aren't doing it because of just COVID or something like that. Some people are Well, they weren't it doing it just because of COVID or because they're scared of the outside world. They might be just, like, scared of putting their kids into an institution that might be either racially intolerable to them or might look down on them, which is kind mm -hmm. of how the, how the education system is set up. About, yeah. That, um... So if it's like, let's say a non a non white kid goes to school and their teacher has expectations mm -hmm. because they've had students like that before and they just make a racial bias, yeah, a racial, racial. Bias. and yeah. they expect them to do worse. The student will actually start to do worse in their class because you know the teacher's not, not getting like, enough attention. Not, yeah, not yeah, confirmation bias. Class. Yeah, happens a whole bunch. You have a preconceived notion in your head and you think it's going to come true. Then it will. It's a placebo effect. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, that that's messed up. That something like that can happen if you just have a bad teacher. Yeah, teachers are a large part of the education experience, which is kind of why we spend so much of the budget for school systems on them. Just yeah, about the budget. Teacher salary is a big part of just how much the funding goes to. What, like 60, 65% is just to teacher salaries and textbooks? Yeah, mostly. That's insane. Yeah. So if the average school... They get what? What does the average school in the United States get as per funding? Uh, spends an average of $15,908 per pupil on post-secondary education. That's graduate stuff. Uh, average U.S. middle school funding. How about that? Yeah, it's still $15,000. Yeah. So fifteen thousand uh, dollars per person, right? Yeah, around there. But that fifteen thousand dollars is split up into a group of sixty percent for teacher salary, thirty percent for support services, and like, like what is fifteen or twenty percent? Then 15, like ten percent. Fifteen less than fifteen percent. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's just for the students. So if we take yeah. fifteen, uh. Multiply that by the point six. So nine thousand of the dollars, nine thousand dollars worth per student just goes to teacher salaries. Yeah, per yeah. student, and there's a whole lot of students in in each school. Yeah, the average school has I think like what fifteen hundred students for middle schools. Yeah, fifteen hundred, like a thousand. Only fifty percent goes. Yeah, one thousand five hundred is around the average. A lot, a lot of schools are more than that, but then the, like the uh, Midwest and the like emptier schools. schools the average is five hundred and twenty-six students. That's lower. That's yeah, lower that's than I thought it was. It's probably in between elementary, middle school, and high school. Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. and also the entirety of the Midwest has like tiny schools here and there. Yeah. So I can search high school. For private schools, it's 175. And for high schools, it's 243. That's the average for private schools. But still, that's a lot of money just going to teachers. And if one of those teachers, even one of those teachers is like a bad teacher, it can mess up a kid's entire career. Yeah. That can mess up a kid's entire like brain system too. Like it can like. Like, if the teacher starts, like, making them think that way, then they're just going to start thinking that way and think, like, doing that's just normal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, one bad teacher can and then, ruin your whole school experience. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, when you go into school the next day, you can start, like, thinking that way, and then people, you'll slowly get in trouble. Yeah. You can get in trouble. And then slowly go down a path that you don't want to do. Yeah. Which could lead to you dropping out or... Starting to do yeah. things that you don't want to, which transitions into our next topic. Like in 2018, there were around 5.3 percent of of high schoolers dropping out. Concerning, there's like over 10 million students in high school. This is quite a lot. 5.7. 5.3 percent. 5.3. Where is this? Uh, our first link that says dropout rates. All right. Uh, if you looked at the fifth line. 
2018, there were 2.1 million status dropouts between the ages of 16 and 24. Mm. The overall status dropout rate was 5.3%. Yeah. That's a lot. That is a lot of people. 5.3% of all high schoolers drop out. High schoolers and college students. High schoolers and college students. College is probably a little bit higher than high school. Yeah. I'd imagine because college is a lot harder than high school. Yeah. Uh, it but, varied between by race and ethnicity in 2018. So, for mm. status dropout rate for Asian was 1.9. Was 1.9. It was lower than the rates for peers who are white, 4.2. Of two or more races, 5.2%. The black was 6.4. Hispanic was 8.0. And the Pacific Island Islander was... Islander was 8.1. Yeah. Which makes sense. The uh, Mm -hmm. less common of the race and the least populated it is, the higher the percentage chance of dropping out. Yeah. Because they might not have... They might, like, not understand the language is probably a big one for, like, uh, Like, Pacific Islanders and, like... There's a lot of Hispanic people that come into our school. Uh... Like, yeah. A lot of the new students are all Hispanic, right? And they have yeah. trouble like learning. And they, they like have Jonathan only speaks Spanish. English, and that's basically what all the, the language all the teachers teach him. So they have mm-hmm. difficulties and they need a, someone to translate for them to help them. But because of that, they have because of that roadblock, it has a much higher likelihood of them dropping out because they have nothing to lean back on that makes school manageable. Yeah. So I found how many people attended high school in 2019. 15.3 million. Okay. Attended high school. So 5.3% of 15.3 million. What, 5% of it? 5.3%. Yeah. 5.3 is... Uh... 0.8%. 0.8%. 80%. Yeah. No, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's yeah, wrong. That's, that's not a percentage. That's kind of wrong. Uh, that would be, what, 800,000? 810,900 people. Yeah. Dropped out. 810,000 dropouts in 2019. Yeah. And that'll probably lead to them just being homeless and doing drugs. Well, there's there's really a very, to. very rage occasion, very, very rare occasion that'll they'll do something else that doesn't have anything to do with their school. But yeah. most of them are just, you know, becoming unsuccessful people that do nothing. Yeah. But there is still people that, like high school. Yeah, but honestly it's also just kinda of like sad just to see that. Yeah, the amount of people that just yeah. leave because they can't they can't do it anymore. They can't deal with they can't deal with people like that the system they can't keep up or they just like some people's reasons would probably be like that what they're learning is not good enough for them they want to learn more but the teacher the school isn't letting them or there's like certain roadblocks Mm. that they just can't come over yeah all right so uh 14 point at least from this study that i'm looking at 
Uh, says fourteen point eight percent of high school dropouts were unemployed. Fourteen point eight. Fourteen point. So almost fifteen percent of people who dropped out of high school were unemployed. And how and many of this... them live on low wages? Like they end up working yeah, at, like a place like McDonald's. The people who, yeah, the people who are working of that class, I'm guessing, aren't making more than minimum wage. Yeah, they're probably not making low paying jobs. Because the only thing that they can work at is things that don't require a high school diploma, which isn't even is yeah, a whole lot. That's like retail and like fast food. Fast food. Maybe food service. I'm not sure though because I don't know what you need to get a food handler's card. No, you, you or can, a low paying retail job without a high school diploma. I think. Yeah. Yeah, but like that 75, what 75, 85 percent of people that were high school dropouts are in that really low budget class yeah yeah Not very and it doesn't help them that the minimum wage is going up and everything's just skyrocketing in price yeah yeah because they really have no other option they can't go back to high school they can't go to a college yeah because to, to apply to, You're pretty to, much you get accepted into a college you need a you high, school diploma. high school and then even to go to like a community college, you need money, and you can't get a lot of money if you're working minimum wage and just you surviving have to save off of that for a very long time. Yeah. yeah. Or get debt, get credit, get a student loan, but that, you know, it might not even apply to you because you didn't complete high school. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think a lot of banks require you to have at least some sort of credibility before they give you a loan so you will basically it's you saying that yes i am going to pay this back and you can trust me because of this information so yeah. if you don't have any credibility it's hard to get a loan like that so they're kind of just stuck yeah and it's like really hard to just get out of that stuck spot because like it'll just it'll be really hard uh but there is still people uh, students that graduate. Yeah, there's graduate. people that stay in. Most people stay in school, and they do graduate high school. Yeah, that 95%. That, but not yeah, all of them get a bachelor's degree. Or yeah. associates. Or higher. Some people won't get associates, even. Yeah. That's only two years extra that you need to go to a different school, too. And you'll get way, you'll be way more likely to get hired for something. Or if you want to go for... a something higher, like a bachelor's or a master's or a doctorate, then, you know, you'll have more chances of, well, you, the only way you can get this is by having an associate's first. Uh-huh. Yeah. High school graduation rate per state. Oh. 2017. That's mm-hmm. interesting as well. The amount of people that went to college in 2018 after graduating high school was 61.28%. 61% of people went to college after graduating high school, if I'm hearing that right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And only 35% of that got a bachelor's degree or higher. Yeah. So the rest of those either got a GED, yeah, a GED or, or they dropped diploma. out. Yeah, or some sort of college. About ninety percent, about ninety-five percent got a high school diploma or a GED. Well, yeah. And then sixty-one percent moved on to get co- to just go to college. Forty-five percent got an associate's or a bachelor's. Uh, thirty-five got a bachelor's, 
13% got a master's or a doctorate. And then only 2.3%, 2.03% were sure they got, got a doctorate. Well, that's to be expected of the higher degrees. Yes, that that's just expected. But like, only around 50% of people get an associate's. Oh, that's actually interesting. Yeah. So I'm on the uh, educational attainment in the United States, and yes. I'm looking at the mm. 2017 uh, high school graduation, high school graduation rate, rate per state in 2017. And the that? highest, the states with the highest graduation rate are Iowa and New Jersey. Iowa is just low population, right? Iowa yeah. is decently low population, but they also have really good education budgets right and are ranked mm -hmm. decently high on that and also you can see like the northeast <clears> is doing really well texas is doing really well all the states kind of in the middle there that are like smaller but still have their stuff together are doing pretty well but then you look at the west coast what's going on yeah they they're doing a lot worse than graduation rate all those ones in the light blue are 69 to 79% are graduated yeah that's that's not good man low. yeah they're just the left side is of the map is just really bad doing worse than like the right side there's just a, a divide that's still insane yeah yeah so why is that divide well, the divide that it looks like, at least to me, for the high school graduation is a little bit sporadic, but, like, the more open states and also the more uh, liberal democratic states seem to be doing worse. Correct me if I'm wrong on that, because I don't want to start a political argument. Yeah, we have <laughs> no, a fine. political argument here. This is but, yeah. like, this topic. the entire West Coast that's very democratic... Uh, Utah, New Mexico, Colorado is typically more Democratic, and then some of the ones, some of the states more on the right side are more Republican. But then you also have like Alabama and Mississippi and Florida that are very Republican, that are also have very bad graduation rates. Right. Well, yeah, and that can also take us into our um, next section, which is the overcrowding population. Uh huh. Yep. Yeah, which is. Most of the West and, like, California, California, Oregon, Nevada, and Arizona, and even some of Washington is, like, really failing because there's too many kids to teacher ratio. Because there's way too many kids assigned to one teacher. Right. And they're not getting enough attention, which can really affect their learning. And that's, like, less than two minutes a kid. Yeah. And so, in order to learn, you need way more time than that. Yeah. yeah. So there's in Washington the the ratio is eighteen to one. To one. Yeah. Yeah. Eighteen students then, per one teacher. If you have forty five minutes to teach a subject, and you have eighteen students, that's two minutes and a half for each student. If you want to do individual sessions. And then there are some high schools in Washington that are twenty one to one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even, and, and, like, our local high school here, Hanford High School, has a 24-to-1 student-to-teacher ratio. 
which is insanely high because everything else, like the national average, is what we say eighteen. Yeah. Yeah, like eighteen. And even that is pretty low if you want to do individual time. But twenty-four. They have two thousand one hundred and twenty-eight students at Hanford High School. That's a lot. Yeah, but then a you lot. look up this like Pennsylvania and Ohio and other places like that that are on the East Coast, and they're like way less populated going with like only 14 kids to a teacher and they're succeeding way more than the people like in california that are getting like 24 to 25 kids a teacher and it's just like really so crowded is is it just me or is, is new york yellow or green uh new york is yellow new york is the one that kind of looks like a gun if you flipped it upside down oh yeah okay i see it uh, sorry so... is gun not pc <laughs> Yeah. Why is Nervous it yellow? Laugh. I thought that was like really overpopulated for such a small space. Well, New York City is, but the rest of New York State balances that out because New York is a very mountainous area and it's yeah. kind of more similar in terrain to kind of like I don't know, Colorado and some of like the more rocky states. So they have oh. a lot more space to breathe and there's a lot more so like all those, area all those between people on the northeast coast. They're they're all like that, or is it just New York? Uh, well, a lot of as you can see that they're light yellow. They have a lower than fourteen people to teacher ratio. Yeah. So they're all a lot smaller. They have lot lower populations. They have a lot of mass, a lot of ground for their population. So they will spread out more, and they have different schools, and they have a lot. Uh, they don't have as big of population centers per se mm -hmm. as other states do. Like, right. California, how many population centers does it have? It has San Diego, Sacramento, San Francisco, L.A. That's just four that ha that are really, really big. And you just yeah. take one of those, and it's the entire population of Maine, so. But they're also, like, true. really yeah, popular spots. Yeah, they're also really popular spots, because, like, if you say, oh, I'm going to California, where are the, like, top four places you think of? Los Angeles, San Francisco, like, those big places. Yeah, you. that's because it's, you know, they're most popular. There's a lot of tourists there, too. Yeah, sure which means there's correlates, be... but yeah, there's a lot of tourists there. Yeah, it does. It does correlate though, because people want to move to a place where there's lots of tourism, because it um, it, it kind of accentuates it accentuates the economy. So it's a lot better to live in a place that has really good tourism, because there's a, just a lot more money floating around. So there's a lot more money that can be pushed into like schools and local government. Yeah, but also. Uh, California is a really good place for like people to like visit, or it's a really good place for them to move because they just like the scenery, or they like the way it looks, and then they look at the income and they're like, "Oh, this is a really nice place because there's so many people going there." That is pretty much just like cash flooding in. But then when you look at the schools, it's just overpopulating with how many people are moving there. Right. Yeah, there aren't enough. There isn't enough schools for the amount of people that are there because yeah. the infrastructure that was built up was super super small and then the gold rush happened yeah and, then... and everything had to expand super super quickly so they had nothing to do but to just keep building as fast as they possibly could without any foresight to what would happen with it in the future so yeah what's a way that it could be prevented or easily prevented i don't know overpopulation of schools yeah like some, some uh, prevent that. Well, one solution would be just to build more schools, right, even though funding. that's a very 
uh, costly solution, and that's very hard to do because you have to source the land, you have to source a whole new batch of teachers, a whole new faculty, and you have to push everything to a different location. But an easier way to solve that is to kind of plan for the future, plan ahead. So if California had known that the big gold rush was coming and that a whole ton of people are going to move there, then what they could have done was spread their schools out a little bit more, made them a little bit bigger, and had the infrastructure to grow easier. So say they were able to, like, say they made the schools have a larger campus than they do now, because right now they're just kind of crammed into the middle of cities. But if they gave them a decent plot of land, then they'd be able to expand further, add portables, add, like, extensions to the school building itself. So when they needed it, they could add it on. This is a little bit harder to do because you can't really see into the future. But a lot of states are starting to do this when they're building schools, is to build them with a larger campus and to build them with more space to spread out and grow. Yeah, they're also trying to plan ahead of it before it happens because if it happens and they're not ready for it, then they pretty much are stuck trying to build as fast as they can and go back in time like how they did, where they just want to build as fast as they can and get however much they can. But it'll just over-accumulate and make people back up and then not succeed as much anymore. Yeah. Um, about that. Um, the, So we did talk about section five, so we can just probably move on to section six if you want to. I kind of want to expand on that. On section five? Yes, because then go right that in. that article from NPR is just amazing to me. Yeah, yeah. How just the expectations of a teacher can just affect them so much. Yeah. So what was his name? Robert Rosenthal. Am I pronouncing that right? Sure, why not? Uh, yeah, in 1964, sure he did an experiment where he just gave, uh, he, he got a normal IQ test, and he just said it was his own test from Harvard, because he was a Harvard student, a professor, sorry. Uh, he's, it was just a, a normal IQ test, and, but they, they said it was the Harvard test of inflected acquisition. He told the teachers that it was a, a special test from Harvard that could predict which kids were about to be very special. And it's like, the ones that were just gonna, you know, get smarter really fast. Yeah. And after they took the, like, you know, they assigned all the tests and they took them, uh, he picked random kids and told the teachers that those kids were gonna just do better. And then he watched them for the next two years and he discovered that teachers' expectations of these kids just affected them a lot. Yeah. See, uh, because since if the teachers expected them to gain a lot of intelligence quickly, then they did gain a lot of intelligence. They, they pay more attention. Yeah. No. If they the teachers is like... Students. Yeah, those certain students. He did more research. Yeah, if they... He found that the expectations affect teachers' moment-to-moment interactions with the children they teach in a lot of different ways. And they give them more time to answer... They give them more specific feedback, more approval. They are nicer to those kids. 
It just in they all show those a little bit ways, more it makes them the a better student, a better student. Yeah, they show a little bit more affection for them, and it kind of just influences them to do harder, try harder, and like do better and want to be there. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're showing more attention to them, and they're showing a better confirmation bias to them because they're like, oh. These students are going to do better, so I'm going to put more of my effort into them, because if they're going to do better already, I can make them do better than better. Yeah. Or if they're if they're going to succeed, I can help them succeed faster, or help them succeed gradually. Gradually, I can't speak. Uh, they can help them succeed more gradually and with ease. Exactly. Yeah. They they just it's just. They think it's easier to teach them, but it's just because they're making it easier to teach them. Yeah. Oh, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. So positive reinforcement is a really big thing in psychology. Yes. Like just is. the study of psychology. Sorry, I might be going it's off like on a tangent way to here. Teach but... dog. Yeah. So in the study of psychology, if you're trying to help a patient, the worst thing you can do is say, you're wrong, stop that. Yeah. Because that's negative reinforcement for them. That's saying, you're wrong, you should feel bad about it, you're different from the normal. And yes, they are different from the normal, which is why they're seeking help for it. But as a psychologist, that isn't something that you should do. Instead, positive reinforcement. It makes yeah. you function better because you think you're doing the right thing, and if you think you're doing the right thing, then you're going to continue doing that, and you're going to continue getting better because your brain is a wonderful thing it can do whatever it wants to just like that yeah yeah but also in general if you just tell someone no you're wrong you should do it this way then they're just going to get a little bit more fed up with it and a little bit more annoyed and try to either live up to those expectations or they're just going to quit right then and there and if you do that for every single kid then they're most likely not going to want to keep doing it that way. But if you give them positive reinforcements and kind of just gently criticize them, not like too gently, but just enough to where they know that where they messed up and where they can improve, then I'm sure it'll do way better. Yeah, we can yeah. talk about the the example on here. It says uh, a student jumps up and starts screaming they know the answer. The worst thing mm. you can say is be like, oh, you're out of line. Sit down right now. Yes, because that's taking away their eagerness. That's taking away yes. the drive that they've given into. Like, yes, they know the question. They know the answer to the question, but it's more than that. They're jumping up out of their seat. They're excited that they know the answer. They're excited for the prospect of getting something right and the fact that they're learning. So, if you as a teacher then discourage them, you're plunging their mm -hmm. mental model into the ground and saying, "Yes, you are right, but I don't care." Yeah. Or it just takes away their the happiness. They'll be less eager. Be, yeah, it'll the just take away their happiness the answer, of getting it correct. They'll be way less eager to answer that question because of their previous experience with you. Because what yeah. you basically said to them is, yes, you got the right answer, but if but you don't please. say it the exact way that I want you to, it's wrong. Yeah. I yeah. could stick with them for life, for, like, for future... Mad. Have you seen the memes where it's like the 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 answer... It's like what you put in as the answer is 17 and the ans the actual answer is 17. Yeah. But it's like lowercase numbers. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, and then... The better, the way better response you could do is like, oh yeah, like let me know what you're thinking, but also can you please 
sit down. Or can you answer and then take a seat and wait next time just not to jump up immediately? Yeah. Instead of just saying, hey, you're out of time, sit down. Yeah, it's a lot better to just be positive with your students than or take your time with them for their incorrectness. Yeah, or just take your time with your students. Don't rush it too fast. Yeah, especially uh, students that have mental disorders, like yeah. ADHD or depression or ADD. Anybody that's mentally unstable is yes. especially susceptible to. Uh... There really should be more more stuff against, like, no, not against, but to help people that have disabilities. Yeah. Or disorders. There should be more stuff to help them than to discourage them. Right, because, um, let's see, in this article, it says, in 2012... CDCP reported that 33% of all students with ADHD who didn't have a comprehensive therapeutic slash educational plan failed out of high school. 33% of people with ADHD failed high school if they didn't have mm-hmm. a plan. That is... Which just shows how much ADHD and the American education system clash. Yeah. It's just... They get such a big setback, and there's no one helping them. There's no one that... Sometimes in this world, there's also people that sometimes just won't want to help them because they are different. Yes. it's it's They just don't pay as much attention because they're difficult students, so-called difficult students. Or so-called hard-to-teach yes. students. And... Most of the time, they're wrong. Not all the time, but most of the time, they are incorrect. Yeah, those students just need more attention, more attention. or more uh, positive attitude towards them, and then they'll start doing better. Yeah, yeah more positive reinforcement. Yes. They just need more reassurance other than more neglect. Sometimes uh, a classroom can be ta- too chaotic for them. Which is why there's, like, study tools, which is where, like, a lot of toys come in. Rubik's Cubes, like, fidget spinners, I know they're stupid, but, like, things like that legitimately do help students with ADHD because it gets their mind doing something so that they can focus on the thing that they're supposed to be focusing on. Yeah, but our yeah. our system is against that. They don't allow us to have stuff like that. Yeah, the reason because I remember they... in fifth grade, uh, a lot of kids liked... Uh, having no, not fifth grade, sixth like, grade had six, uh, fidget spinners and stuff, stuff like that, or like slime and, and stuff like that. When they brought them to school, they'd get taken away almost immediately. Like as soon as the teacher saw them, they'd be gone. The first the day they they let it. Yeah, the first day they let it slide, but then the second day they saw it as a distraction instead of a reinforcement, so they just banned it. They just took it. Yeah. Well, part of that's because a lot of the students using them didn't actually have ADHD. That is true. But the yeah. other half of the coin there is that how do you prove that a student actually does have ADHD? Right. Because tests are pretty expensive to like go and get tested for ADHD. I'm not sure how much it is, but it's like 50, 60 bucks a test. Yeah, that's uh, I can but search that up for you. It could change just to make it so that uh, 
there's an ADHD test when you're going into school. Yeah. So you could get more attention. Yeah, or... it's just like yeah. a reinforcement for you. The school doesn't Also, they can it. verify. Yeah. It says the whether you just personalize online treatment or ADHD, whether it's just taking the first step or resuming treatment, you need to pay $200 just to see someone or be in line, and then another 50 on top to complete the test. Yeah. So the, that's to see a professional. $250 just to tell you that, yes, you have ADHD, or no, you do not have ADHD. And most people don't have that much money just to be like, okay, here, I'll go get tested. Yeah, a lot of people don't have that kind of money that they can just, like, basically throw away like that. Yeah, especially if, like, it comes back negative and you don't have it, you just throw away $250. What about people with Tourette's? Because Tourette's is a different issue, because usually Tourette's is diagnosed at a relatively young age. So in a situation like that, where you know that the child has a mental disability, either they'll put them in a special needs classroom, or they'll for sometimes in extreme cases they'll forbid them from going into the school building. Wow. Yeah. Because yeah, one, cause... they're a distraction to the other students, and two, they're physically incapable of learning in that environment. That so there's no use mm-hmm. them being at the school. Yeah. So they they what they just get a different way of schooling. Uh, a lot of cases either homeschooled or they're largely uneducated. Wow. Yeah, most of the time they either just get homeschooled or they just don't get schooled at all, and they just have to figure something out. So it's just it's not it's not fair for them at all. It's it's yeah, never it fair. For them. In this world, stuff goes against that. It'll always go against that, which just isn't fair. Yeah, it goes against stuff that's different because anything that's different is bad. It's against the norm, so. It's hard to calculate with. It's hard to put the numbers to it if it's different, if it's an abnormality. Yeah. I said that Anything really that's different. Yeah. Anything that's different is hard to predict. It's hard to be ready for. Yes. Mm-hmm. Can, we, it's can hard... we talk about how many people have depression, like actual depression, in high school now? Like, uh, with the amount of uh, people that get depression in high school, the, 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 the age of onset has lowered to 15. 15 years old. 15. It, it used to be considered an adult affliction, but now the age is 15. And 20 to 30% of adolescents, adolescents report symptoms of depression. All right, then. That... That's a lot of them. That's a lot of people. Wait, that, that's my mind Suicide ranks third among causes of death for Americans under the age of 21, and it's number two for college students. Yeah. So yeah. the second most common cause of death for college students is suicide. Because they just, they hate the stress. Well, that's one of the big problems with college in general is that, like, final season catches a lot of people off guard. And it forces a lot of people to commit suicide. Like, if you look at the graphs for one of the most common times that suicides happen, you'll see a very big spike around final season. Yeah. Or just if it's for people with mental disorders like ADHD or depression, 
some of that stuff can just set off that suicide that they just want to do. Some students, yeah, fo- some students in high school focus on keeping their grades up instead of learning. Yeah. Yeah, they don't. Or not learn. disappointing. They just, they just do what they have to do to get a good yeah. grade. Yeah, just, just so they just don't disappoint people or so they have at least a good support when they grow up. Yeah. Yeah, they're not learning for the sake of learning. They're learning for the sake of the school. Or they're learning for the sake of their future. Mm-hmm. Which is a, it is a good thing to yeah. be learning for the sake of your future. But what's not good is to just learn because the school tells you to. Yeah. Because that or, kind of defeats the purpose of the school in the first place. Right. Uh, did you guys know that in 1995, more young people died of suicide than AIDS, cancer, strokes, pneumonia, influenza... Birth defects and heart disease combined. Wow, wow, dang! Hold on, what? I'm gonna look this up real quick. 1995 suicides. That's a lot. That is a lot. If that is, if that is true, then yeah, that is so much. Suicide was, according to the health World Health Organization, responsible for almost. 2% 2% of deaths worldwide in 1998. Which puts it way ahead of war and way ahead of homicide. Mm-hmm. So it's more likely for you to kill yourself than to kill someone else. Or to or be killed by someone kill else. You. Yeah, or to yeah. be killed by someone else. <laughs> which that just gets into like why the world is kind of messed up at the same time because it's yeah, especially with the development of the internet. Because that is too that. serious. And we don't want yeah. to serious, serious. Yeah, we're just yeah. doing about the education That's system. Yeah, if we get into the world's problems, then... We kind of didn't sign we'll up for this. We'll go on forever. That's too much. <laughs> yeah. Because the world is a big place and a messed up place. Yes. The world is like Wi-Fi is when there's no Wi-Fi. <laughs> yep. Okay. Uh, the world is like Minecraft Hardcore. So you don't what respawn. would be the, the best way <laughs> to spread awareness about this? The best way to spread awareness about, like, the school system? I'd say just talk to other people about it. Inform other people. Just go around talking about it. Uh-huh. Check up on people about it. Make sure they're okay. Yeah. Put up Or if you haven't talked to, like, a close post- relative in a while, just say hi. See how they're doing. Yeah. yeah. That's the, in- the entire reason that we're doing kind of this podcast and this project is to inform people about the education system and why it's a failing system and why we should change it because there are a whole bunch of flaws with it that keep coming back up again and again and again because it's a 200 year old system and even at its birth it was a flawed system and yet it hasn't changed dramatically in those 200 years that is true yeah it it hasn't had any big changes in the last 200 years that's two decades oh sorry two centuries you got your mouth wrong there Two decades is 20 years, my guy. Yeah, two centuries. That's the time since the year 2000. Yep. Yeah. It has oh, not boy. changed in a big way in a long, long time. So how do we make a difference? That's a very good question. Well, yes. one way is petitioning to your local government or just the school board itself. Because the school board is in charge of the insta- institution of... New academies, not usually private academies, but public schools, and a lot of the different alternative methods for schooling that we've mentioned here are private schools, but not just to, like, 
get a new school put in, but, like, talk to people about, like, if you want to learn more about this stuff and, like, talk to people who experience this on a day-to-day basis, then talk to people, like, on your student council at school, or, like, go to, like, your local government. Yeah. And just talk to people that it, that go through this stuff every day about it. You could talk to college students, to high school students, to adults that have passed through high school, to adults that have passed through college, to university, even your own professor. Your professor will probably agree with you. Yeah. Our teacher does. Our teacher definitely does. Even some of our substitutes do. Because the reason that this that the system is flawed, it isn't because of the teachers, it isn't because of the students, it isn't because of the administrators, it's not because of the schools themselves or the school board. It's, the it's just itself. because of how the system was implemented. Yeah. 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 So if we want to change something, we have to change the entire system. Yeah. Yeah. And to do that, we need a lot of votes against it or a lot of people on board to do that yes so yeah but another way of doing it is you could either uh, some of the big creators on social media or some of the big creators on like youtube or twitch or just in general any big person that you can think of if they say something most likely most of the people will follow them because they admire them or they look up to them and yeah. just like that, that's a pretty good amount of people that are just backing up your case right there. Yeah. So there's, there's you could also maybe start a petition or, or, an, or an organization. Yeah. So gather you people. You just you can just spread the word by yourself. Get a big someone with a big audience to do it. You could uh, talk to your peers. You could, you could slowly build if it just starts by yourself and just slowly get friends and family to join. Yeah. Just yeah. make a petition, stuff like that. Sign a petition if there's already one. Yeah. Just get stuff going. Yeah. If nothing else, just start the ball rolling and see where it goes. If it doesn't go anywhere, then it doesn't go anywhere. But at least you tried. So But if it starts yeah. rolling, then that's when you know you got something big going. And that's mm-hmm. that's where we could end off. Yep. That's good podcast all right cool have a good day guys yeah bye